Morning. Uh, we'll be reading from two passages today, one from Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41, and the other uh, from Psalm 107, 23 to 32. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And from the psalm, Some went out on the sea in ships, They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people, and praise him in the council of the elders. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here we go. Well, on a mid-winter's day in 1896, off the coast of Massachusetts, the crew of a mackerel schooner spotted a bottle with a note in it. The schooner was on George's Banks, one of the most dangerous fishing grounds in the world, and a bottle with a note in it was a dire sign indeed. A deckhand scooped it out of the water. The sea grass was stripped away. The captain uncorked the bottle, turned to his assembled crew and read... On George's bank, with our anchor gone, our rudder gone, and leaking. Two men have been swept away, and all hands have given up, as our anchor is gone. The one who picks this up, let it be known, God have mercy on us. The note was from a ship called the Falcon. Uh, a small sailing vessel that had set sail from Gloucester the year before in 1895 
and had never been heard of since. A boat that loses its anchor on Georgia's bank careens helplessly along until it fetches up in the shallow water and is pounded into pieces by the surf. It's easy to picture one of the Falcon crew members wedging himself under a bunk, writing furiously beneath a heaving light of the storm lantern. This was the end. Everybody on the boat would have known it. Storms, particularly when you are at sea, are a powerful reminder that we are not even close to being in control. Like storms, life can be tempestuous. We can be tossed with the winds of misfortune, of grief, of shame or stress. Big storms can roll in fast, turning suddenly blue skies into days dark with worry. A storm can come in a brief conversation, a diagnosis, an accident, a phone call, a life-altering occurrence, and we are left with our thoughts swirling. And often the question we are left with is, where is God in all of this? Does he even care? These are big questions. These are eternal questions. So is there an answer? Where is God in the midst of the storms of life? Well, here at St. Jude's, we are continuing our series through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, And today we do come to a a very famous part of the story. Uh, And this passage of Scripture actually helps us answer and wrestle with these big questions as it helps us see Jesus more clearly. And so I have three points. Good Anglican sermons always have three points, by the way. Firstly, in this passage, we see Jesus' power. We start by reading that the day, uh, the evening comes along and he says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, meaning let's go by boat. It's much quicker to travel by boat than elsewhere. Uh, And in verse 38, we see Jesus actually falls asleep. A helpful reminder, by the way, that Jesus is human. And even the best of us can fall asleep. Hopefully not in this sermon. Although I have had had recent advice that it's not uncommon to fall asleep in sermons. But this is no ordinary boat journey. As we read in verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Uh, That little word there for squall, it it literally means a whirlwind or a hurricane. Something significant. Now this might seem a bit strange because the Sea of Galilee is not very big. Port Phillip Bay is substantially larger, by the way. 
Uh, it's about 21 kilometres north to south and 13 kilometres across as its widest. It's only 50 metres deep, which is not particularly deep when it comes to a body of water. Uh, it lies in the Jordan Valley, which is uh, quite low. It's 200 metres below sea level. And it's surrounded by hills on the east and the west that rise to about 300 metres. Uh, to the north is the majestic Mount Hermon, which is almost three kilometres high. And it dominates the landscape. If you've ever been there, you can see it on the, in the distance. And what happens is the cold air rushes down the mountain and it clashes with the warm air on the Sea of Galilee. And what this causes is violent and sudden storms that can occur in as little as 30 minutes from blue sky to hail. As Melburnians, we can relate. Now we know that many of Jesus' followers are fishermen. In fact, it starts with the calling of some fishermen. But this doesn't mean that these fishermen are not terrified of these storms. As we read in verse 38, Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we drown? They wake Jesus, and he does two things that reveal his great power. Firstly, Jesus simply rebukes the storm, quiet, be still, just like you would a disobedient child. And secondly, even more amazingly, <laughs> the storm obeys, <laughs> just like a good child, <laughs> just like all of our children. Verse 39, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. That is quite amazing. Do you hear that? It was completely calm. The, the water is so smooth and still that you can see your reflection. It's like one of those photos where you, where you can't tell which is the horizon and which is the water because it's so crystal clear. Jesus simply says, quiet and be still. Usually when the wind stops blowing, the sea and the, the, the waves continue on for, for minutes, hours, or possibly even days. But here the raging sea instantly becomes like a mirror. It, it's a miraculous display of power. And there's something, if you'll pardon the pun, a little deeper going on here as well. The sea was a symbol in Jesus' day of unstoppable destruction. It was unpredictable. It was dangerous. Very few people could swim. No one could control it except for God. The famous King Canute tried to stop the tides. He said, only God can stop the sea. I can't. I'm not God. But Jesus can with a word. Notice Jesus doesn't call on some higher power. He doesn't say, in the name of God, I say. He just says, quiet, be still. 
In other words, Jesus is displaying his own authority in power here. And so the big question is, who, who, who has this power? Well, King Canute's right. I wonder if you knew about that reading from Psalm 107. It's almost as if the psalmist has read this story and created the song, created a poem, created an epic about it. Some went on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest, a whirlwind, a hurricane that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In the peril, their courage melted away. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to whom? To the Lord. And notice too, the Lord there is in the small caps. That is, that is God's divine name. It's not just the Lord, but Yahweh in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm with, to a whisper. The waves of, sea were, of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. He guided them to their desired haven. So here's what we're meant to do with this story. Who is the only person who can calm the sea? The Lord God. What does Jesus do? He calms the storm. We're meant to put those two things together and say, well then, somehow this, this man who gets tired so tired that he can sleep on a boat that is rocking, he is the same man who can say, quiet, be still. He is God. He is God. That is Jesus' ultimate power. He is the Lord God. That's what we see, firstly. But secondly, we also see Jesus' love in this story. Look at the emotional state of the disciples in this story. <laughs> in verse 38, they, they're in great danger. They're, they're fearing for their lives. They're pleading with Jesus to wake up. Uh, they're fearful they're going to drown. The implication here is that everything has gone wrong. And in the midst of everything going wrong, what is Jesus doing? sleeping he's indifferent so indifferent he's unconscious doesn't get much more indifferent than that does Jesus even care have you ever felt that have you felt that that you were you were sinking everything is going wrong and there's seemingly no escape and God seems distant, absent, unaware, unconscious. And 
and we cry out, God, look, if you loved us, you wouldn't let me face this. If you care, you, you wouldn't let me sink. Everything is going wrong. Where are you? But did you notice when Jesus had calmed the storm, he didn't say to them, okay, it's all good. Uh, you can relax now. I'm going to catch up on the rest of, rest of my sleep. He actually asked them a very pointed question. In verse 40. Uh, it's pointed and at the same time uh, slightly humorous, I think. Why are you so afraid? <laughs> have you, uh, do you still have no faith? Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking when Jesus says, why, why are you so afraid? We were in a storm. We were about to die. The, did you see the waves? They were, the boat was falling apart. We're kilometers offshore. We're about to die. And you say, oh, why, why were you... Why were you are you indifferent to where we are? What's Jesus doing here? Well, what Jesus is doing here is actually cutting to the heart of the issue. He's saying to them, look, it, you thought that if I loved you, that if I cared for you, that you would never face any danger. But he's saying to, to them, look, I do let people I love go through storms. you have no reason to panic or fear because I will always be with you. I will always be with you. Jesus' promise is not that we will be delivered from every trial, but he will be with us through every trial. Because here's an interesting question. Do you think Jesus' disciples were more scared after the storm or before the storm? Like, it's not a good outcome for the disciples, right? They were terrified and they end up being more terrified. <laughs> wow, thanks. Thanks for the Bible. Right? What an encouraging verse. Why are they more terrified seemingly after the storm gets, here, uh, gets calm than before the storm? They're in fear of their life. Fair enough, right? I get that. We can be in those situations fearing for our lives. That danger passes. Jesus calms the storm. I'm now even more fearful. And it's because, I think, it begins to dawn on them just who Jesus is. The storm had immense power. They had no ability to control it. I did some research on cyclones. Uh, cyclones uh, release enough energy in one day to, in, to power our world, in, our world, by the way, entire energy needs for 200 days. So if you have the ability to harness that energy, we could solve global warming very quickly. 200 days worth of energy. Uh, one nuclear blast per second, that's the amount of energy a, a, a cyclone produces. An extraordinary amount of power. But what the disciples realise and what we're being shown here is that Jesus has even more 
power. The only thing more terrifying than a storm is the one who has more power than the storm. Who is this? That's the question that they're wrestling with. He falls asleep when he's tired, yet at the same time, the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? We've seen that he's powerful, but there's also something here. Not only is Jesus more powerful in the storm, he's far more loving than any other, other uh, uh, thing in the world. See, nature at its most powerful is actually completely indifferent to you. Uh, storms don't particularly care about you. Viruses don't care. Natural disasters don't care. Illness doesn't care. But Jesus does care. Uh, more than that, in fact, we are told time and time again that he loves us. And what the disciples realise is that they have a better chance of controlling a cyclone than they do of controlling Jesus. Jesus is not under our control. He will let things happen that we don't understand. He doesn't work on our timetable. His power is unbounded. But yet so is his love. And so is his wisdom. Uh, in that uh, famous series, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, there's that wonderful scene where the kids are hearing about Aslan for the first time. They have yet to meet him. And Mr. Beaver is explaining to them that he's a lion. And Lucy, the youngest, feels quite anxious about meeting a lion, as I think we all would, and asks, Mr. Beaver, is he safe? Safe, says Mr. Beaver. Of course he's not safe. Who said anything about safe? But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And that beautifully captures what we have in Jesus. Not safe. Not, not conforming to our idea or into the boxes we have. But good. He's the king. We see Jesus' love in this, in this passage of, of, of Scripture. And thirdly, we of course see Jesus' salvation in this story. Yes, Jesus saves them from the storm, that's, that's very clear. But there is actually a hint of a bigger and grander story of salvation in this as well. And verse 40 gives us a bit of a clue. Do you still have no faith? It's not a question here of if they have any faith at all or how big and strong their faith is. The question Jesus is asking here is, who or what is your faith in? What's the object of your faith? What are you placing your hope and trust in? Because if you, if you know your Bible well, there is another story in the scriptures of a storm being calmed and someone being asleep. Jonah, right? Uh, these two stories are really, really paralleled. 
both Jesus and Jonah are on a boat. Well, that's kind of a simple one. Both get caught in a storm. In both cases, they're asleep. In both cases, the crew are terrified that they're about to die. In both cases, they wake up the person saying, what do we do? In both cases, there's miraculous and divine intervention. And in both cases, the sailors are more terrified after the the storm stops than before. There's a clear link here in what Jesus is doing mean to take our mind back to that story of Jonah. They are, and I say this, almost identical stories. Because in the midst of the storm in Jonah, Jonah says to the sailors in Jonah 1.12, there's only one thing to do. If I perish, you survive. If you die, sorry, if I die, you will live. And so they throw him into the sea. One man will give his life to save the lives of others. That's the story of Jonah. Now, of course, that doesn't happen in Mark's gospel, does it? It does, but on a cosmic level. Mark 10, 45, Jesus says these words, For even the Son of Man, that's his name for himself, has not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Uh, In Matthew and Luke's gospel, Jesus states overtly, he says, the one greater than Jonah is here. He's invoking this story and say, just as, as Jonah saved, I'm going to save even more. Jesus will calm all storms and bring peace to a broken and violent world. And he will destroy the biggest storm of all, sin and death. And just as Jonah was willing to be thrown overboard, Jesus is willing to be thrown onto the cross. And there face the full and furious storm of God's judgment. The storm of eternal justice that we actually deserved for our own sin. And you could almost pitch the gospel story this way. Jesus is abandoned to that storm so that we do not have to. And so if you truly want to know just how much Jesus loves you, In the midst of the storms of your own life, look to the cross. Look to the cross. For when you look to the cross, you can know for sure that Jesus will not abandon you. In that ultimate storm, Jesus has not abandoned you. And he will not abandon you in the smaller storms that we face. One of my favorite hymns is a classic hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, uh, by the wonderfully named Horatio Spafford. If you're looking for, if you're having a child soon, a couple of names to work with. 
Uh, I love the hymn, and, and not just the tune, which is wonderful, but the lyrics. And there's, there's a very powerful story behind the lyrics. Uh, Spafford uh, was traveling from the US to, to Europe, uh, and he sent his family ahead uh, across the Atlantic while he had some work to do. And so he sent his wife and four daughters across on a ship. But a great tragedy struck. The ship sank and four daughters all drowned. His wife Anna survived and sent him a telegram simply saying, saved alone. Shortly afterwards, Spafford travelled on another ship to be with his grieving wife. And as the ship passed where his daughters had died, he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and have shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but in whole, is now to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. knowing the goodness and grace and power of God who was with us through the deepest storms of our lives. Let us stand as we sing together, it is well with my soul. <laughs>